girls, gays, and theys. It's your girl Twigs. And on this week's episode, I really wanted to go into why I decided to name the podcast. Sorry, my anxiety is talking, my history with anxiety, my journey with anxiety, and what is working for me and helping me with my anxiety. So I originally wanted to name this podcast 500 million different things, and I had the hardest time deciding what to name it. Years ago, when I originally wanted this to be a YouTube, I decided between Get Twiggy With It or Twiggy Talk. And then as the years have gone by, I felt like I've had a sense of maturity and growth with the word Twiggy. It just kind of felt very like I outgrew the name Twiggy. And I love being called Twigs now. I have a good friend of mine who whenever we go out, he literally just screams Twigs to get my attention. And for some reason... I felt like Twiggy to Twigs was just this transformation of little girl to woman. So I was going to name the podcast Twigs. And then I had a friend who was like, no, you need to name it something else. You need to like pull people in if they don't know you personally. She was giving me all this like business aspect, which I've never really thought about before. I was just going to name it Twigs and call it a fucking day. And then when she gave me her perspective and opinion, I was like, okay, I need to rethink the name for this podcast. And it has been so incredibly hard. I wanted something that obviously correlated with my brand Twigs, but everything that I thought of, like Twiggy, transparency with Twigs, it was pretty much already taken. And everything else just sounded really cheesy I had Miss Anxiety, I had This Is Mental, Um, I really wanted to do Stressed, Depressed, and Well-Dressed because fashion is a huge aspect of me and my life, but of course that was already taken. Finally, it was, I was sitting here literally talking to myself because that's something that my anxiety makes me do is I literally talk to myself and have full ass conversations <laughs> with myself all the time. And I literally said out loud and I was like, sorry, my anxiety is talking. And it just stuck with me. And I remember I asked a bunch of opinions of my friends and they were like, oh my God, I love it. It pulls me in. It's kind of funny because If anyone who knows me, I am literally a ball of fucking anxiety. Now, I want to go way back on my anxiety journey. Like when I was a child, my first experience with anxiety or kind of being exposed to it was as a child, my father was diagnosed with panic disorder. I had no idea what that was. I just knew that he was prescribed Valium and would get very easily upset and overwhelmed. Again, had no idea what the fuck it was. And then I got a little bit older and I used to have like fits where I was so overwhelmed and so angry and so mad that I would hyperventilate to the point my whole body would become numb. And again, I didn't know what it was. I just thought, oh, I'm just really upset right now. And it was something, again, I was exposed to from my father. It wasn't until I would say around 20 years old is when the anxiety symptoms started to really kick in. But again, I had no idea that it was anxiety. It was never talked about in my household. You didn't learn in health class. 
I really didn't know what anxiety was. I just thought this was normal things that I was experiencing because life was happening and things made me upset and overwhelmed me and life just seemed so fucking exhausting. And I remember I would experience it mostly when I was going through breakups and just my severe anxious attachment would fucking kick in. Fast forward to 23, 24 is when it started to get really bad. And along with anxiety is when the depression started to kick in. And I've noticed with me in particular, if I have an anxiety episode, because it's such a high high of all these emotions, I will usually spiral into a depression episode because it's such a low low. So I'll go really high and then really low. Again, I had no idea what any of this was. I was just a young girl in her young 20s living life, and I just thought, this is how my I process my emotions, this is what I feel, this is what I experience, and I just thought it was completely normal. It wasn't until I actually saw a licensed professional and saw a counselor, therapist at the age of 25, when I began to talk to her and tell her just things that I experience in my everyday life and how I think and how things affect me. And I really didn't realize how bad it was until every therapist and counselor I've seen, they literally look at me and they go, and you're not on medication because how I think and feel is clearly not normal from now, my understanding. And no wonder I'm fucking on edge all the time. And I've been really unhappy since my 20s and it all began. I was on medication for about a year and that will be a completely different pod- podcast because that is a completely like full journey there. But eventually I just didn't really like the symptoms I was experiencing on medication. And I tried two different ones and I know they always say like you have to go through several to find your perfect fit. But everything I was trying and I just thought the symptoms that I was experiencing were 10 times more more extreme than simply learning how to cope with my anxiety without medication. So I got completely off of medication and I've been off of medication, gosh, I don't even know how long now, for a few months. And I think I've definitely like leveled out now. Um, It's definitely hard getting off medication because of the ups and downs that you experience after from your body detoxing from it. But now I'm completely off medication I still obviously have severe anxiety and there's definitely times when I wish I could get back on it because I won't lie, it did take away the edge. It did take away a lot of those episodes, but for me and my body and just how tiny I am and how things affect me, I decided at the time it wasn't the best for me and so now I'm completely off medication. So I have been properly diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and depression. One of the things I learned in therapy was separating myself from my anxiety. And I think a lot of that goes into why I named the podcast what I did. Because it's easier for me and easier for me to cope when I separate it and make sure it's its own entity. I am not... Twigs is not anxiety. Twigs is not depression. I have it. It's a part of me, but it's not who I am. It's not my whole being. It's not all I have. 
and I have to remember that. And I think in some fun, weird way, it takes a relief off my shoulders by putting some humor behind it. Now, when I begin to tell you guys that I am literally a walking ball of anxiety, these are this is just what anxiety looks like for me. I feel like I have every fucking symptom of anxiety. For others, it's like one or two symptoms that they experience. I experience the full fucking spectrum. It is from shaking uncontrollably. Um, I completely lose my appetite and my digestive system is completely fucked from my anxiety. I experience faint breathing. Um, I, when I'm speaking to people and I have anxiety, I don't make sense. I fumble over my words. I sound erratic. I can't think straight at all. So someone will be talking to me and I can't even process what the fuck they're saying. I'm so in my own head, literally spiraling so fucking hard. I can't think straight. I am a huge nail picker to the point I make myself bleed and I pick so deep and so raw that it's 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 bad. My nail lady is like, you know, I've known her for years now. So she's like, oh, you, she can tell if I'm good or not, depending on the picking when I come in to see her. I remember I used to work at a receptionist job and I would pick when I would become bored or I was extremely anxious and I would just cover my fingers in band-aids and I would check people in. I would talk to people and they'd be like, oh my gosh, like what happened to your hands? And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) I'm a picker. Like I just pick and it would literally, I have videos and pictures of my hands. Every single finger is covered in a band-aid because of how bad and severely I would pick. I'm also a big mouth chewer. I chew on my mouth when I'm extremely anxious and it's usually because I'm in my head thinking and for some reason I don't know why the chewing and the thinking go hand in hand but I chew aggressively and I've learned that from my mother. She does the same exact thing when she's pissed or anxious or whatever she would chew her mouth and for some reason I picked up that habit And if you ever see me chewing my mouth, I'm usually in my head overthinking 500 different things and I'm extremely anxious. And it's not a cute habit because sometimes people will stare at me and be like, what are you doing? Because I am contorting and moving my mouth in so many weird fucking ways. It's it's honestly kind of disgusting. Some things I've learned in therapy that an anxious mind does And these are might be some words you've never heard of, or these may be words that you're very familiar with if you have been exposed to them, gone to therapy, or just educate yourself on mental health. Cognitive distortions. And this is what your brain does when it's extremely anxious. And I love them because it helps me understand why my brain is thinking the way that it is. And it helps put a lot of logic behind my irrational thinking, if that makes sense. So one of the big ones for me is catastrophizing. And the definition of catastrophizing is seeing only the worst possible outcome of every situation. I am the number one queen of doing this. I am a huge pessimist and I blame that a lot on my anxiety and depression because it's so hard to get out of that negative mindset. And catastrophizing is a huge one for me because I'm always thinking about 
well, what about this? What about that? X, Y, and Z about any situation it could be. And it is always from a severely negative point of view. Literally, catastrophizing. Keep in mind, there's a huge list of these. So I'm just talking about the ones that I resonate with the most. But if you have any interest, I would definitely look these up and see which ones resonate for you. Um, The next one that I absolutely feel to my core that I do all the time is jumping to conclusions. And the definition for that one is interpreting the meaning of a situation with little or no evidence. I remember in a therapy session one time, I was processing a really traumatic breakup that I was going through. And I told my therapist, I said, he's going to marry her. Well, I said, he's going to engage to her. He's going to marry her. He's going to have a kid with her. And she literally was like, you are so, you believe this to your core. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was me jumping to conclusions. I had no actual evidence of any of this, but I was jumping to conclusions and I was jumping to negative conclusions. In correlation with jumping to conclusions is mind reading and fortune telling. So they can kind of honestly go under all three. Mind reading is interpreting the thoughts and beliefs of others without adequate evidence. I think that has a lot to do with jumping to conclusions, which again is something I resonate with. Fortune telling is the expectation that a situation will turn out badly without adequate evidence. So they all kind of run under the same house of just you think things are going to go a certain way, usually in a negative way, and you thoroughly believe it and you expect it to go that way. And that is something my anxiety has a fucking chokehold on me over is I will believe things to my utter fucking core. And I would say, I mean, sometimes it has come true. I'm not going to lie. That relationship that I was referring to in my therapy session, he did put a ring on her finger. He did get married to her and he did have a kid with her. But I think there's a lot other things as to why that happened and that's a whole fucking thing. But there's been situations where I thoroughly believe like an ex-boyfriend is talking to that person and then years go by and they had no relation, they had no relationship, they had nothing. And I thoroughly, thoroughly believed at that time because of my anxiety that he was specifically talking to her and that was going to be his next girlfriend. And now I sit here and I fucking laugh And I'm just like, oh my God, like it's borderline psycho, but this is how anxiety affects me severely. And I mean crippling. Another one that I really resonate with is disqualifying the positive. And the definition of that is recognizing only the negative aspects of a situation while ignoring the positive. One might receive many compliments on an evaluation, but focus on the single piece of a negative feedback. Again, like I mentioned earlier, it's really hard for me to see the positive in situations. It's definitely something that I have to work on every day. I'm not good at. I am trying to rewire my brain. I am such a pessimist and it's so hard not to be. And I think a lot of that, actually I know a lot of that from my therapy sessions previously, is because my mind is trying to It's in a flight or flight mode and it's trying to prepare myself for the worst possible case scenario. So when it does happen, I'm prepared and I already thought it through. It's my body just trying to protect itself from that situation happening in case it does happen. 
instead of trying to look at the positive, I'm like, fuck, well, I'm going to prepare myself for this negative because if that does happen, I want to be prepared for it and I want to be emotionally ready for it. And I found out it's just my mind simply trying to protect itself and trying to find answers and solutions. And that's why you ruminate so much because your body and your mind are trying so hard to find an answer to a question or a situation that you may never know the answer to or you may never understand why that happened the way that it did. And I always want answers. We all want answers, but sometimes we don't get them. Again, there is a huge list of those, and those are the ones that resonate with me the most. I highly recommend looking them up because when I was exposed first to cognitive distortions, it took that weight off my shoulders. And I was like, that's why I fucking make up assumptions and make up scenarios, and I thoroughly believe them. It's me fortune telling, it's me mind reading, and it's a symptom of anxiety. And for me personally, once I experience or once I'm educated on something and I understand it from a scientific, psychological way, it's such a fucking sense of relief. One of the things that I'm actively learning and I pretty much say to myself almost every day and what resonated with me recently is not every thought you have is true. Not everything you think is going to happen And that kind of made me take a step back because my anxious mind can get me in some really dark places and make me down, go down some roads that are really sad. And I have to sit there and take a step back. And I'm like, okay, my anxiety is trying to make me believe this entire situation right now. And it's going to happen. But I have to remember that this is just a thought. It's not a fact. Again, like they always say, your thoughts are not facts. Your thoughts are not facts. And sometimes I have to say that to myself several times a day. And remember, okay, Twigs, just because you think this does not make it true. Just because you think this does not mean it's going to happen. Now, I want to talk about some things that really help me with my anxiety, especially if you have crippling fucking anxiety like I do. And honestly, my top two that really helped me, and I used to think they were a bunch of bullshit, is breathwork and meditation. I thought breathwork and meditation were just a bunch of bullshit they tell you to do. I I just didn't really believe in it. Those two are my number one absolutely forever when it comes to having anxiety. Once you find a breathwork routine that you like and that you notice a difference, it changes the fucking game. I like to do breath work when I'm in a situation where I can't just like go meditate or go distract myself. Usually it's when I'm driving. I'm at a grocery store. I'll be out with friends. I now have a breath work routine. And for me, what that exactly looks like is I inhale two deep breaths quickly, hold, release and always remember when you are doing your breathwork routine that you release longer than you hold if that makes sense so i'll breathe in twice really quick i'll go hold it and then breathe out longer than for what i held it 
there's something scientific with it. I've read up on it that it regulates your nervous system. When you do a breath work, it just calms your nervous system down. For some people, it looks very different. For some people, it's just a breath in, hold, release. I My go-to, like I said, is the two quick breaths in, hold, release. And I do that about probably for a minute or two. And I notice a huge fucking difference. Now, my second one is meditating. Meditating, I think, is such a gift. It is so incredible and is so life-changing. Again, I thought meditation was stupid. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here in pure silence alone with my thoughts and try and meditate. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And especially having an anxious mind, your mind will gravitate to 500 different fucking places. The thing that I've discovered that really works for me, and again, it looks very different for everybody else, is I meditate and I do guided meditations. So some people will do it in pure silence. Some people will do it with very spiritual music, sound bath music, that type of thing. I need a guided meditation because that helps me stay focused. That helps me stay on the path of in that meditation mind versus like thinking about 500 million different things. And something I thoroughly enjoy is looking up guided meditations depending on how I'm feeling. And I'm a very spiritual person, so I will do guided meditations on cleansing my aura. I will do guided meditations on removing negative energy, um, letting go. Um, You could do it as simple as a guided meditation for anxiety, guided meditation for depression. I will do a guided meditation for manifestation. There's just so much out there. It's something that is like exercise that is going to take a lot of practice and a lot of discipline. I can't do a meditation for longer than like 25 minutes just because I will literally fall asleep. That's how relaxed I get. There is some meditations online that are literally like fucking one, two, three hours. And I think that's so awesome. But for me, I've noticed my mark is about 25 minutes until I get bored or I fall asleep. And again, I think it's like exercise. I think once you do it, so much and in a routine then you can progress up to a longer meditation time but in reality a lot of us don't have that time to just set aside a full ass hour or two and meditate so if I'm feeling anxious the first thing I will do when I come home or in my car is look up a guided meditation put my headphones in I will just sit there and be in the present moment at that time and it has honestly changed my life and I love it so much. Something that I'm discovering recently, as of recently, that is helping a lot with my anxiety and depression is having a hobby or a passion to put all of that energy into. I've noticed a huge difference since starting this podcast. If I'm feeling severely depressed or severely anxious, and normally I would just lay in bed all day and fucking spiral and cry and just go to really dark places, I now have this podcast to really like lean on and when I'm feeling those ways, I open my laptop and I fucking record an episode and then usually it takes me a couple hours to edit it and by that time, I'm completely out of that funk and I feel good because I accomplished something and it's something that is going to help my future self. It's going into my passion and I know somewhere that 
when you complete small goals or tasks, that also gives you, I'm not sure the exact chemical, it's either dopamine. And so I have just been putting all of my energy and everything I have left of me currently into my passions. And it's been really rewarding and it's been really, really fucking awesome. So I highly suggest getting some hobbies and finding what makes you happy and what fuels your fire. You'll notice a difference how it affects your mental health and your sanity and your happiness, most importantly. So that is my anxiety journey. And I feel like I took a, I could talk about anxiety for forever. It has been such a journey for me and really understanding it and really coping with it. Um, I've kind of realized it's something that I will have for the rest of my life and it'll never go away. And it's something that I have to work at every single day. And some days absolutely fucking suck and they kick my ass and they get the best of me. And other days I sit there and I'm like, I got this. I got this. Again, I would not be where I'm at without the help of therapy, self-awareness, self-discipline, and overall just that hope of wanting to get better and wanting to become a stronger person and not letting my anxiety and depression define me, overcome me. Many others feel this way and I have to remember that. And like I always say, that's the reason why I made this podcast is because I want awareness for this and for you guys to realize you are not alone. We are strong. We are warriors when it comes to having this. I'm proud of you if you are doing the work and I hope this podcast helped. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening.